bringing you a common sense and fresh perspective to creating a just society. This is Common Sense on Social Justice. You'll get equipped with the tools you need to carry out social justice right where you are. Now, here's the host of Common Sense on Social Justice, Michael Davis. Welcome to Common Sense on Social Justice. I am your host, Michael Davis, and I am so glad you joined us today. If you want to join the conversation or have any questions or comments, you can email me at sjcommonsense at gmail.com. And I'll share that again at the end of our episode. But today we're going to talk a little bit uh, from the standpoint of the party being served. And uh, if you need a title, the title of today's episode is Why National and State Programs Do Not Work. Uh, and I'm when I say they do not work, that's kind of a fuzzy standard to use because what do you mean it doesn't work? And you may want to ask, by what standard are you saying it doesn't? The uh, national and state programs uh, and other uh, mass programs do not work. And I'm saying it from the viewpoint of the party being served. That means the the client, if you will, or the people who are to be served in a given program. Maybe it's the homeless. Uh, maybe it's veterans. Maybe it's uh, women uh, caught in domestic violence or, or people stuck in, in sex trafficking or whatever it is. Uh, the real standard, the truest standard, if you will, of whether a program works or not is uh, if it truly is meeting the needs and bringing justice for the actual people being served. Now, I have worked for many years, uh, decades at this point, uh, with uh, um, large nonprofits um, and agencies and social agencies. And one thing I've discovered, sadly, is a lot of them judge their success by the numbers, the numbers of people being served. But they're not actually looking at whether solutions are being realized and if people's lives are actually being healed. Uh, They're going for quite low uh, denominators, if you will, uh, as to whether there's success being realized for people or for the program itself. And people often look from the wrong perspective of numbers and so on. But when you look at the actual people being served, um, I, hate, I hate to say it, but the, many of these programs are an utter failure. Uh, even though they get millions of dollars year after year, still, um, they, they're a failure from the standpoint of the people being served, and, and, uh, and we have to change that. Now, as we get into this, I'm going to be talking today about why these programs don't work. But again, I want to reiterate, because the underlying uh, solution and the underlying idea in this these podcasts are that the neighborhood is the place for solutions. And I want to keep hitting that home to you. The neighborhood is the place for solutions because in the neighborhood, people know each other, people see each other, and people can actually physically see the problem. Oftentimes in the the big giant organizations, people don't actually see the problem except on paper, but they don't physically see the people that are are having the struggles. Whereas in the neighborhood, they wake up day after day seeing homeless in their neighborhood or, or hearing of tragedy of people that's in their vicinity. 
So uh, I've talked, one of the things I, I've got to let you know is that I am qualified to speak on this subject today because some of the things I'm going to be saying are controversial and radical, if you will. And so I've got to let you know that I'm not saying, uh, giving you the ideas and saying the things I'm saying based upon uh, something off the top of my head or what I feel but rather, it's based on fact. I mean, I have talked to many, and I put this in quotes, but talked to many clients and repeatedly run into people who've been from program to program to program with no success. Now, oftentimes what the large organizations will say is that, well, that's because the person isn't applying themselves. And yeah, maybe some of that is true. But the reality is when you have wounded people, they're not going to fully apply themselves necessarily. So we have to, to put the burden of proof upon the program itself and on the people running the program. So, and then I myself have been homeless. I, I believe I've mentioned this before, but I myself have been homeless and I attempted to use a couple programs just to realize, wow, this is not going to work. Uh, the programs are based upon, on sort of, uh, formulas and algorithms, and they're not really based in reality. So for example, when it comes to homelessness, they're not based upon the reality of life on the streets. They're based upon a certain algorithm that really doesn't touch on the reality of what people are dealing with on the streets. But what I want to get into today, and the reason why I believe this episode is really necessary, is as we, again, get into the nuts and bolts of how to work out a just society, we have to understand, first of all, why national, state, citywide programs do not work, because the, I want us to avoid the tendency to think that, okay, we're going to work for a just society, let's just get our neighborhood hooked up to a current program. And I've seen neighborhoods do that, and it ends up being a failure. In fact, I've seen neighborhoods who were working very successfully on the local level, and then they decide to link up with a big organization, and then it just went downhill. And it's like, oh, man, you know, time after time, and I've warned neighborhoods, don't go that route. And the ones that do um, end up not meeting with great success. So why do these programs that are touted as successes in the media or in the newspapers or whatever, wherever you might find them, uh, why, why do they not work? Why do they not bring success for the people that they are uh, supposedly serving? And the first answer to this is because they're too focused on numbers. Now, this may be people numbers, numbers of people they're serving. This may be uh, money numbers, amount of money they're bringing in and, and putting out or, or whatever, but they're too focused on numbers. Um, I was working for a really large organization one time, a social organization, social work. And I remember one homeless individual I was working with and there was an issue whether they were already working with another agency. When I talked to a supervisor about it, they responded by telling me to work the case in such a way that we could count the person 
in our numbers for the grant. And the grant was worth millions of dollars. But that showed me something right there is that it's about getting numbers of people. It wasn't even brought up in the conversation with the supervisor. How can we help this person or how can we support the other organization that may be helping this person? But how can we get them counted in our numbers for millions of more dollars? See, to satisfy grants, you have to produce numbers. Uh, I used to run a nonprofit and we would get grants. And I remember there's just things you have to satisfy superficially in order to satisfy those who give the grant. And I'm not saying that's good or bad. I don't want to get into that conversation. What I'm just saying is that's the reality. And so to satisfy grants, you have to produce numbers, not results, but numbers. Just like Toyota has to produce a certain number of cars, so nonprofits have to produce a certain number of people in the program. I, uh, whether it's a veterans program or a homeless program or whatever, you have to move so many people in a year's time or in a quarter's time or whatever through the program in order to satisfy the grant and guarantee more money to come. So uh, that, that's, that's a sad reality, but it's the truth. And I'm, I'm telling you, I know from experience that to be true. Now, on the other hand, in the neighborhood, numbers don't matter. If you've got Joe Smith, who's sleeping in the neighborhood on the street, he matters to the neighbors. Now, he may matter for different reasons. Some people may feel a real sense of compassion. We don't want Joe sleeping on the street in our neighborhood, or they may say, we don't like seeing Joe Smith because it messes up my narrative of life. And so I want Joe Smith off streets just so I don't have to look at him. No matter the reason, still neighborhoods, uh, Joe matters in the neighborhood because those people in the neighborhood see Joe every day sleeping on the streets. In fact, it's interesting because uh, the uh, times I've talked to the large organizations, it's all about the numbers of people. It's not really about people's names. But, um, but then, uh, well, and I'm just going to be honest with you. I, people that come into the large programs are assigned a number that goes into a system. So they're known by their number, not their name. Uh, but in the neighborhood, people know the name of the person when I've talked to neighborhood associations, when I've talked to neighborhood leaders and helped them organize for social justice in their neighborhood and for helping uh, those suffering from injustices or suffering in some way in poverty. One of the things that's interesting, interesting to me as I talk to those uh, neighborhood leaders is they know, or whether it may even be business owners, homeowners, but they know the names of people suffering in their neighborhoods. And I thought, you know, that's really, that's a telltale sign of what's going on. Now, if I were to make this a game where we can see who gets the most points in the game, is it the large organizations and programs or is it the neighborhood? I'd have to give the neighborhood a point on this one. So advantage for when it comes to, to programs working is the neighborhood because programs, agencies, Large nonprofits are just focused on numbers. The second reason why these programs don't work is because they're too political. They're too political. And I don't just mean that they're political in the sense of linking up with politicians. What I mean is that uh, 
there's a lot of political infighting and political kowtowing to gain favor and grants, and that's what drives many organizations. I mean, believe me, you don't have to go to Washington, D.C. to see politics. Just go to a local nonprofit. Uh, there's just so much political infighting within the organization itself for people to gain favor with higher ups. And then there's just bowing down and, and political maneuvers to gain favor for grants. Uh, one organization trying to one up the other organization, uh, yeah, very territorial. I'm just going to let you know it is. When you go out there, people that have joined me in this work that I do are shocked to see the the territorialism that exists among nonprofits. And so, uh, but however, in the neighborhood, the neighborhoods are made up of people who come from various viewpoints, but they know how to figure out things and they really have no reason to win anyone's favor. Uh And believe me, from experience, neighborhoods don't care about getting anybody's favor. I've seen neighborhoods stand up to the cities. I've seen neighborhoods, you know, say some really radical, mean, and yet totally honest and truthful things because they don't care. They're not trying to win any political points in the neighborhoods. Uh, Even the neighborhood associations and in Portland, Oregon, where I live, they have a very strong neighborhood association system in the city. And those political, man, some of the things publicly that those neighborhood leaders say in the media and stuff, you can tell they don't care what anyone thinks. They just got a problem that needs solved and it needs solved now. So, again, the advantage is the neighborhood because the neighborhood is not playing political games like the uh, nonprofits are. Now, I will say to not try to paint too perfect of a picture for the neighborhood. I mean, their neighborhoods don't necessarily, uh, homeowners, business owners don't always have the purest reasons why they're doing what they're doing. But I will say they're not trying to make political maneuvers. They're just simply trying to get a problem fixed, uh, no matter what their reason for doing it is. So the reason why these programs don't work, first of all, is because, again, they're too focused on numbers. They're too political. And number three... Third reason is because they're too focused on advancement, too focused on advancement. What I mean is that within the agency, each person is focused on pay and moving up. And I know this from experience. I mean, I was on staff, mental staff at large organizations and man, coworkers, they were focused on pay. They were focused on moving up. The leaders are focused on moving money and gaining an upper hand on the, quote, competition, that is, the other nonprofits. And believe me, they're always keeping one eye open on the other organizations. Uh, I remember many conversations where competition with other organizations was very, very real. Uh, Let me give you an example. So... One time I was helping set up an organized homeless encampment. It was it was a basic encampment. I mean, it would have had a kitchen, had, uh, you know, have spaces for little plots of pieces of land for people to stay at, uh, restroom facilities. Very basic, though. Not nothing fancy. But you would not believe the pol- political fighting viciously over this land and even other organizations was fighting me viciously 
on this. Why? Because there, people are just too focused on advancement of the self rather than on what's good for those who are suffering. And we have to ask ourselves, you know, what's really the right thing to do? Is it to advance ourselves or is it to really reach out with compassion and healing to those who are suffering? Because while we play political games and move money and worry about numbers, people are hurting. They are in pain. They are suffering. And so I would, again, have to give the advantage to, on this point to the neighborhood. Because in the neighborhood, people aren't worried about moving up. They just, they just want to see something change and problems solved. The fourth reason why these programs, these large programs don't work, uh, social justice programs or social work programs don't work, is because they tend to collapse on themselves. They tend to collapse on themselves. Nonprofits tend to reach a point, and I know this by experience and, and sheer observation, that nonprofits tend to reach a point where they no longer work with others unless it is for selfish gain. They'll only work with others if it helps promote themselves. And nonprofits tend to, or agencies especially, tend to reach a point where money grabbing becomes the goal to the point of undercutting others in order to reach that goal. I did a Google search recently on that talked about competition among nonprofits. And one of the things that really stood out to me is that the, it showed in the articles I was reading that the competition between nonprofits is stiff. I mean, it is intense uh, competition. Now, what does that tell us about what the goals are? Many start out well. And, and I thought, by the way, I want to insert this before I go on. But when people ask me, what can I do to help those who are suffering? One of the things I encourage people to do is work with the small nonprofits. Go find a small nonprofit that has two or three people on their staff. I can guarantee, I'm telling you, my experience has told me those people are getting it done. Not always, uh, you know, no guarantees there, but those are the ones that tend to really actually be producing good results in people's lives because they care, they're on the ground level, and if they're not trying to become bigger, then they're they're really there to help people. And I, I, I know a lady in the Portland metro area who feeds hot meals to the homeless, prays with them, hangs out with them, helps connect them to resources. And she it's just her and a couple other people. And then they've got some volunteers from their church. But she's been doing this for like 20 years, not trying to grow nothing. She's just doing it because it's the right thing to do. So go talk to somebody that's small. Uh, small does not mean incompetent. In fact, it might mean quite the opposite. But many nonprofits start out well helping resolve or deal with a specific issue, but eventually as they grow uh, larger and become large, they tend to collapse on themselves and begin to work for the purpose of moving money rather than actually investing in human beings who are suffering. Now, again, I'm going to give the advantage to the neighborhood on this point because neighborhoods have no 
such competition structure. They just want the problem solved. Now, they may be competing for, for city money because, especially in Portland, neighborhood associations get a certain amount of money to help run their association. But in the end, they're not trying to to grow larger because their neighborhood is what it is. So the the neighborhood, they don't have that competitive structure in place. They're just trying again. And I've seen this over and over and over again in the neighborhoods. They're just trying to get a problem solved because they don't want problems in their neighborhood. So uh, they just want the problem solved. Now, this last week, I was talking to someone who who moved out of their neighborhood into a different part of the metro area. He says because things were getting too dangerous in the neighborhood. So again, it's kind of an idea where the neighborhood uh, people aren't even afraid to leave the neighborhood if they have to, because there's no competition. It's not like I'm staying here. I'm competing. I'm getting my price. If, if they just reach a breaking point, they just leave. Uh, so yeah, just advantage to the neighborhood. Number five, and this is the fifth and final reason why do national programs not work is because nonprofits and agencies tend to come to a point of permanence. They tend to just kind of permanently be there. And I don't think that's good. I think that if you understand the temporary nature of your mission, then you're going to tend to work a little bit harder at that mission. But these large nonprofits and agencies tend to come to a point of permanence. And then they hire employees. They have to have money in order to, or they have to keep money moving in in order to stay in place and pay people. Therefore, they tend to stop working towards a solution. And then, because if they were to actually reach the solution, then they would close down because they would no longer find a reason to exist or they could move to a different issue but even the the large organizations that move to different issues that they're working with of injustice or poverty they do so without having solved the first issue that or the second issue they were working on so nonprofits these large organizations tend to come to a point of permanence and not really working towards uh, the solution anymore. They're just trying to stay in business. I mean, look at how much money is thrown at homelessness. I, for those of you who don't live in the Portland metro area, you may not know this, but they, the leaders, the political leaders had this program many years ago called the 10-year plan to end homelessness. And when that first rolled out, I had to laugh I thought the 10-year plan to end homelessness, like that's going to happen, really? But what happened is homelessness quadrupled during that 10-year period. And instead of of uh, voters being wise and holding the leaders accountable, the leaders said, oops, we forgot this one important item on the list. We're going to need $350 million over the next 10 years to solve homelessness. So now, uh, in the last six months, voters approved a bond measure for $350 million. Get a hold of that number to solve homelessness. And I can guarantee you homelessness is just going to grow under this 350 million. Why? Because there's no motivation to solve the problem because then you lose your permanence. 
uh, if you do. The solution, and I've said this in past episodes, but the solution in any unjust or impoverished situation, the solution means the end of the money flow. And I hate to be the bearer of bad news, and I don't like talking radically like this. I honestly don't like saying things out loud like I do, but somebody's got to say it. And it's just the reality that I've observed. Now, on the other hand, the neighborhood doesn't want all the money. They just want the problem solved. It's funny. I've said this earlier in this episode, but a lot of neighborhoods I've worked with, they say, uh, Michael, we, we, uh, just want the problem solved. Just do something. Just get the problem solved. You know, I like that attitude. Even if people's motivations aren't always the best, oh well. At least they recognize there's a problem and they want it solved. And a lot of them will name people's names. I don't want Joe suffering anymore. That's good. So again, I give the, the advantage to the neighborhood. So there you go. The reasons why these programs don't work. Those are the reasons why we need to be moving towards the neighborhood, moving towards joining the faith community, uh, towards getting the business owners, the homeowners, the renters, getting people in the neighborhood together to solve the problems that are plaguing people's lives. Hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope it was challenging to you. If you got questions, comments, Praises, criticisms, whatever, you can email me, Michael Davis, at sjcommonsense at gmail.com. Thank you for joining us today, and I hope you have a great day as you work towards creating a just society right where you are. You've been listening to Common Sense on Social Justice with your host, Michael Davis. A common sense and fresh perspective to creating justice where you are. Share your comments and questions with Michael by emailing sjcommonsense at gmail.com. That's sjcommonsense at gmail.com.